Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Today, my guest is Steve Hertzberg, a salesperson extraordinaire. This interview was originally recorded as a live radio segment, hence the listener involvement that pops up from time to time. The topic that uh, we're going to move on to shortly is this whole thing of, of how do you kind of how do you get a foot in the door? How do you get the attention um, of a prospect? And um, but before we kind of go on to that, what I thought we'd do, what I like to do each week, is just get a little bit of a um, sort of snapshot on who the heck is Steve Hertzberg and how do you work? Where do you work? So could you get, where do, where do we find you today? Where's your office and how how long have you been running your business for? Yeah, Rob, well, I've been, uh, I've had my own company now for over eight years. That's NRG Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm based in Sydney. I've, I've had the experience of working in an office in the city where, where we shared an office with one of our clients for a couple of years. But uh, now I'm working from the home office, so that's where I am now. I'm in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. And uh, I deliver most of my work, though, out um, all around the country. So I'm on planes quite a lot. I was in Adelaide earlier this week, and I'm off to Melbourne on Monday. So so my work is done generally on the client's site, occasionally um, at conference venues. But uh, most of my work is with groups of people, sometimes between 8 and 20 people in a room. Doing, okay. Yeah, workshops or seminars and, and, and helping people understand how they can be better in the area. Of, it could be business development or, or presentation skills or quite often in the area of leadership. So mm, that, all right. That's what I do. So just um, so before we sort of dive right into it, eight years you've been in the business. Um, presumably this whole issue of getting a foot in the door is still is very much a topic for you, even though this is stuff that you preach and you teach. Um, it, it's still a challenge for you, presumably. You've got, you know, you're not the only person out there. No, clearly, <laughs> clearly, you're the best, but you know, you're not the only person out there delivering these kind of things. So, is it is this is this a challenge for you as well in your business? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very um, interesting question. I think it is a it's an ongoing challenge, no matter um, how long you've been going for in small business. I think I often say NSM: never stop marketing. And I think you you have to keep uh, your, I call it activity levels. You've got to keep doing things on a fairly consistent basis if you want to attract the right types of clients. Uh, And I Mm. think if you, uh, what the danger I see in small business is a lot of people start up and they've got a great idea and they're excited that they've potentially got a couple of people who said they're going to engage them or, you know, let's say you're a web designer or a uh, you know, you, you, you perhaps, I don't know, a, a, an architect and you've gone out on your own, you've got a couple of clients initially and you think that's great. But 
over time, I think you have to keep going with your with your business development and your marketing. It needs to be regular. Just like, look, if you want to stay fit and healthy, you can't go to the gym twice a year. You've got mm. to be ongoing, and that would be um, something I'm certainly conscious of. As I, you know, we're in our ninth year now at NRG, and yeah, um, yeah that you never it never stops. So I'm always conscious if I'm not delivering work. I'm making sure that I'm doing activities that will potentially mm. get me in front of the right types. Of and what what activities particularly do you get involved in? What I, you know, what things do you? What works for you? And 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 how typically in a week? How long might you be sort of spending in your business on your on your business development side of things? Yeah, I mean, I've never actually measured the number of hours. I mean, the, the, one of my best business development activities is to actually deliver work. So I know it sounds a bit odd, but mm. that's why I'm conscious of who I choose to work with. So if I'm working with a, with a larger client and I'm running a program with them, invariably that will get me more work with that client, either in another state or another division. There'll be kind, some kind of referral. So in a way, me doing the work creates more opportunities if I'm sure. doing it with the right client. But if, I, if I'm running, let's say, a, um, a leadership program with the, the, the fellow who runs the corner store around the corner from me, I mean, firstly, he's going to balk at the fees I charge. And, and, and secondly, after I do the program with him, it's, it's unlikely it's going to open up any more doors for me apart mm. from maybe with his cousin or something who's not the kind of client that I want. Okay. So, so one I'm of the key things you're saying there then is that, is that um, and this isn't so much getting a foot in the door, but once, you've, once you're delivering work or once you, the potential comes up, what you're saying is that you're very, very clear on who you will work with because you know that you can grow your business through word of mouth. But if you're not going to get the right word of mouth, then the question is, is it worth working with that, with that business or organization? Yeah, and in mm. fact, you know, the magic word is no, not necessarily when you start, because I think when you when you start, and I know a, a lot of your audience listening in today may be in their first, you know, six months to to the mm. year of, of starting their own business, and I think when you start, you can't be, um, you can't say no to too many things, but at, once you get to say year two or three, you have to be good at saying no, that's not quite right for me, and then yep. that allows you to focus more on the right audiences for you. So, you know, like any, it's, it's sort of level one in marketing, isn't it? Mm. You've got to know who is your audience and how do you potentially market to that audience. So, so you asked me before about the sorts of activities that work well for me. Well, there's a couple that always work well for me. Uh, one is getting the newsletter out. So I'm fairly mm. regular with that. I'd say about six times a year, I'll send a newsletter out to our database. Mm-hmm. I heard the word fairly regular or the phrase fairly regular. So, uh, well, all brand is being regular, isn't it? Is that right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, I think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not this, I know, I think it's Valerie Koo. Get, you get one from Valerie every Friday. She, she consistently, you know, sends one out. I, yeah. I'm more inclined to, I think about every um, two months it's time to get something okay. out. For, that's for my audience. Sure. And, and when I send that newsletter out, which goes out to you know about 2,000 people, mm-hmm. it's just a reminder that you know I'm out there. Um, I, I don't just sell products through it. I try to provide some articles or ideas of value. That could be a YouTube clip. It might be. It's normally an article that I've written on something that's on my mind. But sure. I, I don't want to just contact my um, database when I want to sell to them. I, I, I want to contact them with ideas. Of course. That might be of value. Yeah. So that's uh, what you're talking there, obviously, is, um, is largely nurturing and developing existing business. And, and clearly, I, you know, I absolutely would agree with you that 
regularly broadcasting um, content of, that, that's helpful to them, clearly that's a great strategy and it works well for you. How would you, I mean, perhaps the way to get into our topic, this whole notion of, of um, or this whole topic of getting a foot in the door, why don't we, um, if you're happy with this, and look, you know, just so listeners know, we haven't rehearsed any of this, so um, I'll just thought I'll just put you on the spot, Steve. But uh, yeah, let's imagine that, you know, here you are in your business, you're well established, you're doing well in your field, um, and there's a new um, sort of sector opened up that you thought, you know what, I don't, let's say, pharmaceuticals. You know, the, let's say the pharmaceuticals industry, not done much work in there. You've heard talk on the streets that there's been you know, a good opportunities. They're spending money on uh, perhaps one organization, spending money on uh, on courses and for their middle management. You know, absolutely right up your alley, as it were, as, an, as a potential ideal client. What are you going to do? How do you get your foot in that door? Where do you, yeah. where, where do you start? Okay, so I, I would generally start with, I think, who do I know who works in the pharmaceutical industry? Okay. So I, I, I then think about my contacts, which I might have nurtured via LinkedIn or people that I uh, went to uni with or school with or I played a lot of cricket. So I'd almost, you know, go through all my contacts and I'd go, okay, Tony, yeah, he works in pharmaceutical. Okay. So I'd probably get in touch with him and say, why don't we catch up for breakfast? This one's on me. And, and I would ideally um, pick his brain a little bit. Mm. If I could. Now, that's, you know, if he's in the same geographic region as me, it might be a phone call initially. But I, I, I want to um, maybe get some advice from him. Mm, OK, let me just hold you there, because that's that's a great first point, isn't it? That what because what we see happening um, can happen, particularly, you know, you mentioned a moment ago about about startup businesses. Often in startup businesses, particularly, I think we can be a bit overzealous and we genuinely think, and, you know, nice that we do think this, but we generally think the world needs what I'm delivering. (laughs) You know, they need this now and what's more brackets, I need work now. And that can lead to some sort of clumsy first approaches. But what you're saying is, no, 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 don't you, you're not going out straight away to this potential target market what you're doing is you're doing a little bit of i don't know kind of um espionage if you like you're you're thinking out of all the people you know who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who is within that industry so you start doing some fairly and it sounds like you're prepared to give up time you're going to go and have a coffee with somebody yeah okay perfect all right so generally i mean and i guess rob i'm I'm talking because i've made so many mistakes along the way and and i'm sure you and your listeners know that you you will make mistakes you just Mm. got to keep learning from them but i know if i call up you know abc pharmaceuticals and ask to speak with the person responsible for professional development or Mm. sending people on public courses I'll go nowhere fast. In yeah. fact, I'll go nowhere slowly. This is the yeah. mistake. You know, you'll get flicked from, from one department to the next. They'll say, send me things. And 99 times out of 100, all that will happen is I'll burn up a lot of energy mm. and nothing will come of it. Yeah, and you'll start to feel a lack of confidence potentially and like, ooh, maybe nobody does want my services. Well, oh, exactly. Horrible and, place and to be. That's right. Mm. And whereas if I, if I talk to someone who knows the industry a bit, they they might give me some jargon or some ideas and they might say, well, look, actually, why don't you um, contact me and I'll put you in touch with Susan. Or uh, So what I guess I'm looking for is, is some kind of internal referral mm-hmm. to someone. So, so let's, you know, in that scenario you've painted there, let's say I contact someone who works in pharmaceutical and they say, well, look, I, they'll probably say, look, I can't help you, but I'm happy to introduce you to Susan. Okay. I would then probably call Susan and say, look, I was chatting with Tony um, who suggested it might be worth us having a bit of a chat. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm kind of positioning the call. And, and even then, half the time, Susan will say, well, look, I'm not the best person. I'd better put you in touch with Kylie. But at least I'm, you know, I'm on my journey a bit. If, you, if you're yeah. going with that espionage, I'm making a bit of ground. Mm. Okay. And, and as you said, again, at the outset there, and I know that we don't, it's probably not necessary for us to delve deeply into, say, you know, social media side of things, but the role they play is clearly very, very important. And it's something that really didn't exist much when you started your business or when I started mine. But mm. you mentioned LinkedIn there at the outset. And that clearly for the sort of um, circles in which you move and the clients you're looking for is a wonderful way to, you can have a look at your contacts, you can have a look at who your contacts are friendly with. So you can start to plan. Just before we go too much further as well, if you were saying, okay, I want to break into the pharmaceuticals area, roughly how long might you give yourself i mean what's your sort of your thinking this isn't you're not going to get a bit of work starting a week on tuesday are you how does very unlikely mm. very unlikely i mean you might have to give yourself two years yeah okay before you get a paid job right um and in fact you find it's interesting you choose pharmaceuticals i've done a little bit over the years with them but on the whole it doesn't quite work for me for a few reasons but mm. one of the main reasons is they're very are strong on using internal people to deliver their programs. Right. So, and that took me a while to find that out. You can still get work with them, mm. but for me, it's the, the process is too slow. It's too long-winded. So, it, it's not quite the right fit. But okay. it can take a long time, and that's something I think as small business owners don't realise that just because you're saying, right, I'm ready to get started. I've got this great idea. I'm, you know, I'm a wonderful designer, or um, uh, my wife recently uh, got a massage from, from um, a woman who's just set up a massage business um, and she knows her through the kids at school. And, and this woman may be a wonderful masseuse, but it doesn't mean that everybody in Australia wants to get a massage right now from her. You, you know, you have to be... I'm available. You're, you're about, apart from you and me, Rob. Yes. But I think um, you've got to be patient. So mm. I often say just because you're selling, it doesn't mean they're buying. Mm. And if you push too hard too soon generally you'll get the other party offside a bit. Yep. Um, you'll shut doors down rather than open them up. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think uh, Carl, Carl Barron's one of my favourite comedians, and he's got a great saying. He says, you don't make grass grow faster by pulling it. <laughs> and I think sometimes in business, you know, we push too much. Come on, come on, we want to get a meeting, we want to show them. We're keen, we know it's good. Yep. But I think you're better off, um, getting them to come to you, that's really the skill, isn't it? I mean, yes. you, you, that's really what your business development should be about. How do you attract the right kind of people to almost come to you and say, hey, mm. I wouldn't mind finding out a bit more about what you've got to offer? And I guess as, as you write, and I love that little story about pulling grass. I, and also I should just point out to, to listeners that I think we did just hear Steve Hertzberg say that if anybody's got a good contact within the pharmaceuticals industry, he's he's open for business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. but um, it, it's so true that um, the comment you made also that just because we're ready to sell doesn't mean people are ready to buy. And this can be very frustrating, particularly yeah. either in the early stages of business or when you've launched some new product or service. And I, God, I remember when um, in my, my coaching business, when I started my coaching business, just, just to digress for a second, you know, I love to talk about myself. Um, basically, if you had a credit card and a heartbeat, you know, you were an ideal client for me. And um, and I remember there's one particular guy, and he was a um, sort of centre of influence, had a lot of good yeah. contacts around him, and I knew him quite well. And I thought this person, this man, is going to just 
jettison my business like I won't believe. And I, was, I had convinced myself that one conversation with him and I was off and running. And oh my goodness, it just turned into a total catalogue of disaster. Um, and never ever yielded anything that I sort of anticipated. We're still good friends, but just completely didn't go the way I wanted it. And yeah, um, yeah. but but I convinced myself it was going to. So so a couple of points you've raised there. First, give yourself time, and you said two years. And I mean, obviously, this is different depending on what um, kind of business um, one may be in. But you're clearly giving yourself a lot of time. You're taking sort of if almost kind of baby steps just to start to infiltrate now. Just to wind back a little bit, so you you mentioned a scenario there where you sort of talk to your um, talk to your community that you already have or your your people around you, and in that incident, in that example, someone popped up who did have a contact. What about if that person didn't pop up? You know, imagine you're yeah. totally cold. You don't have anybody. Then what? Then what do you do? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I think then it, then it is hard. So so let's say. From my experience, if you're a very small business owner and you don't know anyone, let's say you're trying to, I don't know, get business with with an Optus or a large bank or a, a, a big, um, uh, a large pharmaceutical, what will generally happen is you'll, you'll end up going through to somebody who has the responsibility of dealing with, with suppliers. Mm. And... It's a very long-winded process, and my experience has been unless you've got some kind of connection or industry experience, you're you're going to waste a lot of energy, and you're going to be very lucky to get work with with that company. Yeah. So, so I would normally say target a business where you think you could be a good cultural fit with that organisation, or target an industry. So, for example. If you used to be a hairdresser and now you're, you know, you're doing uh, neck massages or something, target the hairdressing industry because you understand their industry a little bit and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you kind of hopefully can stand out from other, other suppliers because of your background and your own experience. So I, I just think it's a mistake to try and ram your foot in the door where there is no connection. Yeah. You know, you can get lucky, but, but it's, it's a very long process. If you were going down that path of, you know, just endlessly calling lots of businesses, trying to get your foot in the door, I would make sure you've got something coming up that's of value. So generally, you know, in our business, we do uh, public courses a few times a year. So, you know, if I'm going to call 25 companies that I've never worked with before, and I'm I'm going to take the approach that, you you know, you're you're referring to a bit here, Rob, Mm. I would be trying to find who would be a person who could come to an event that we're running to review what we have to offer. Okay, you, you with me there? But, yeah, yeah, so totally. For example, you know, if you're a, if you, if you bake cakes, you, you you want to be having some event where people can come and sample the cakes. Mm. Uh, you've got to get people to experience what what you have to offer. I think if you just end up sending endless brochures and emails, and I get it all the time. Actually, I was thinking mm. about it when I was thinking about this interview. I get idiots who send me endless emails telling me how good their um. I don't even know what the jargon is now, Rob. What's it called when you want to get higher Google rankings or um, you search? What's that search thing called? Um, well, just SEO, just ranking. Rank- SEO, yeah. yeah okay. So all these people send me these emails. They never ring me up. I mean, mm. at least ring me up. And then if you rang me up and asked me a few questions and you had an event coming up, mm. something might happen. But just sending emails telling me how good your service is, mm. 
I think if I don't know you or I haven't experienced you, it's very unlikely anything's going to happen. Yeah, I think they probably sent it to five million other people there and three people will respond and off they go. But well, I know maybe, what you yeah, mean. I know what you mean. That, a, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, funny, like, it, 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 yeah. I think it depends on, the, you know, as, as you say, the, the nature of your business, very much professional services, you're selling services, it's all about you, it's, it's the personality. But the, again, the example you had there, which is a great thing, is to is to be able to stage something or present something that you can invite other people to come to, to have a look at. I remember doing some work um, a while ago, in fact, with a good mate of mine, uh, who's also down in Victoria, who's a quantity surveyor, a lovely man. And um, as a quantity surveyor, his ideal clients uh, are architects. Um, the only problem being, whilst architects need quantity surveyors, um, they don't kind of want to necessarily build any great relationship with them. You know, it's kind of when we need you, we'll call you, okay? Mm. That's typically the sort of response he gets. They're, they're, they're a necessity rather than someone necessarily that an architect wants to develop some relationship with. So what, um, what Jeffrey came up with, which is a wonderful idea, is he started running quarterly um sort of professional evenings where he would invite a speaker you know someone like you or someone like me he'd throw us you know two dollars fifty in a, in a cheese and pickle sandwich to go along and present and we'd do it because we know the room is full of of potential ideal clients for coaching or yeah. presenting or whatever and um and of course it rubbed off really well on him because he was the host of this event so he had a room yeah. full of he only maybe only had half a dozen um, architects in the room but they wouldn't have come out to see him but they would come out to see somebody else and I think that can work quite well as well can't it in this getting a foot oh. in the door is, is if you haven't got people around you well you can figure out well okay how can I get a few of them around me um, yeah. what about going to um, looking at places as well or other maybe events that might be populated by these people do you do any of that you know like would you go along to We'll just keep dragging out the pharmaceutical story, if that's all right. Would yeah, you yeah, well, would you kind of go along to maybe a, a pharmaceutical event so you can rub shoulders um, and do you do that sort of thing? I used to. I think that's when I started. I used to do a bit of that. So some mm. of my clients are law firms, and I remember going to um, like a conference for where there were a whole lot of law firms. But I found I was meeting the wrong people, and maybe that's me. But they, they weren't people who had influence. So you know, if it's a larger account, you've got to find the people that actually have the ability to make a decision you know to 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 book you that's that, that's in our line of work so when i yep. for me that i mean it might work for other people but you know you can i think going to events can, can be really useful i think hosting them or being the speaker is is 10 times better mm. so let's say you know i'll go back to I imagine some of your audience rob they might be uh, virtual assistants or maybe yep. web designers graphic designers that that, that is that Fair yeah, 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 yeah. That's totally fair to say. So, if you're a good web designer, why not through your community, whether it's your sporting club, it might be a church you're involved with, maybe your kids go to the local school. Why not um, build a relationship with with the people that could potentially help you organise an event for that community, and then mm. run a you know put on as you say some cheese and pickles, maybe a, a few glasses of wine, and, and you know show people what's happening you know in web design at the moment and, and put something on that's of value and then people can see you and experience you and you'll probably find from that 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 can open up a door or two because they've, they've experienced you so i think look for opportunities i guess it's the give get principle you know yeah. in order to get things give a bit initially and i've found over the years that stuff the, the amount of events that i've done where i've offered to speak even in the last month i think i've done two 
events where I speak for no charge mm. and um, just put a bit a bit of stuff out there and invariably that opens up a door or two because mm. there's someone in the audience who goes, well, that guy should come and do some work for us. Mm. Okay. I've just got one question coming from Dave, uh, which is on the topic of testimonials. I suspect I might know the answer to this one. Um, do you collect uh, testimonials from your ideal customers and do you use those a great deal in your marketing? And if so, how, how important are they? Um, yeah, well, you're, you're, I'm sure you're, you'll have some thoughts on it too, Robert. Yeah, I think early on, collect as many as you can and um, ideally publish them, like put them on your website or on your, on your brochure. And when you're pitching for work, you don't put all of your testimonials, but ideally put, say, three of the most relevant testimonials for that opportunity. So, so you think, you know, the more you have, the more you can kind of edit and, and, and use them in different ways. But yeah, I would encourage you to collect them. Mm. What often happens is people say they'll send you a testimonial, but they invariably finish working with you and they forget to do it. So you have to use some skills to, to get that testimonial quite promptly. We just use an evaluation form often at the end of a, a program and people fill it out and, and we've got a little box that they tick where they say they, they're happy to let this be on our website. And I found over the years that helps me get a lot of testimonials. Okay, so rather than leaving the um, client or um, the past client to, to respond, which as you say, it's a little bit like getting a, a reference from a job when you've left it. You know, no, it's people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then they don't. Um, you you just make it very straightforward by having a, a questionnaire and then you look at that questionnaire and that gives you the the guts of a of a testimonial basically is what you're saying. Yeah, generally. Yeah. I mean you can look at our if you go to the website nrgsolutions.com.au you'll see there's lots of testimonials there and, and you know, there are there's different ways you can get them, but I'd go mm. momentum. Try try to get them almost as you've as you've done the uh done the provided the service or, or, or done the job yeah see you just reminded me as well we've got a great uh, i think it's a vi- you know, it's in our video section on flying sale about asking for testimonials a little video interview i did with dale beaumont i don't know if you're familiar with him but he's got a um yeah. he's got a wonderful uh, method that he uses to to get testimonials from people and it, it's just so so effective so efficient okay so we're, we're talking here about um, for those who've just joined or those who may have joined during the course of the conversation we're talking about getting a foot in the door my guest is steve hertzberg if you'd like to ask any questions of steve please shoot them across to radio at flyingsolo.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. And um, we're looking at this whole topic of getting a foot in the door. So, Steve, we've talked about um, one of the key things and is giving yourself plenty of time, um, using your network to kind of create or to find out if there's any contacts and going in through this sort of slightly circuitous route um, to to kind of get a little bit of attention. Um, We've actually, we asked a question in um, Facebook just before the show started about, um, asking people what's your number one tip um, for capturing a prospect's attention and I'm not sure if we'll necessarily let's have a look if I've got an update actually we had a couple of comments came in um, oh yeah we've got a few here so um, one says saying hello so that's, that's you know that's Matthew saying saying hello that, I mean that sounds pretty basic and, and I think he means it in a fairly light-hearted way but um, Actually, that's, it, it's, it's quite funny. When we, last year we did, um, you may or may not know, see, we, we did a whole lot of events around the country, partnered yeah. up with those, those kind people at PayPal, and met an awful lot of people and what fun it was. And it still amazes me how many, how many small businesses go to a networking event and don't talk to anybody. 
yeah, you know, well, and yeah, and yeah. part of it is is okay. Maybe not terribly confident. Don't really want to get into that conversation about what do you do because sometimes people aren't aren't necessarily terribly um, uh, comfortable with answering that. But the point of it is, I think, is that actually just going up and saying hello to somebody is about as hard as it needs to be because what people want to do more than anything is to communicate and to get to know other people and to find common interests. So saying hello, although Dave, uh, Matthew may have said it in jest, I think is absolutely dead right. Um, Dave, uh, David actually says that his number one tip for getting a prospect's attention is neon. Um, so he obviously walks around with a neon sign. Um, uh, Michelle says listening and engaging. So yes, I think yeah. that's certainly a good point. Um, and Karen talks about a beautifully presented shop with obvious attention to detail. So that she's obviously in the resale side of things. But all, um, sorry, Karen. All good, Robert. Can I can I give you an example? If mm. I wanted to get my foot in the door, and um, this this came up about a month ago. So a very good friend of ours, her brother has just taken on a Jim's mowing franchise. You know the local yeah, yeah. lawnmower guy. Mm-hmm. And, and he, so he, he's, he's bought this franchise. And, and I was saying, if you wanted to grow that business, one of the best things you could do is, is you know, drive around the area that you're now looking after and look at gardens that look like they're a bit out of condition. Go and knock on the door, like um, one of the people there was saying, like, go and say hello, introduce yourself, and then offer to cut their lawn. I'd probably do it for free initially. I'd just say, look, I'm here. I'm looking after the territory. My name's Steve. Um, your house looks great, your lawn looks like it needs a bit of work and I'm just starting to build my business and this one's on me. Mm. And by providing a service like that, before you know it, you'll build a business quite quickly. But I'd be careful about the houses that I targeted. I wouldn't, you know, you'd have to use your judgment a bit. Yep. But I reckon if you did a bit of that, you know, that's having that, that takes courage though, doesn't it, to, to go and do that? Well, it doesn't, but I, I think it's a great point. And again, it doesn't, that there'll be possibly people listening that um, I find whenever we talk about free or not free, it always, um, it, it always um, polarizes people somewhat. But I think there's, in most businesses, there is, there is a great role for free. And I think in that, and if I was doing that sort of thing again, yes, I, I think that's a, a very good strategy. What I would do is, yes, I'd be very careful which house I chose and I try and choose one on a very busy corner that was very visible you know because the, yeah. the, the first thing it's it's you know, this whole it, sort of topic of of um of uh you know having people come and do various things around your home one of the lovely things is that often what we do once we've had our garden done or we've had our house painted or we've had our wall repaired is we show it off to our friends of course. You know, and we're standing out there on a sunny day talking to our neighbours, and the neighbour says, "Ooh, that's a nice looking garden." You know, so if you're going to do it, then I think yes, do it, and as you say, be very sort of cautious with, um, you know, which which one you choose. I've got one, another one here for from Rachel. What does she say? How do you, or indeed do you, um, ask existing clients for refer? Okay, well, she's talking about the topic of referrals, which we've sort of covered i think um she's saying she finds it very awkward what steve any immediate thoughts there yourself if you've maybe you haven't got this sort of little questionnaire thing that you mentioned um how would you go about it you know you've maybe you've met somebody or somebody after an event after one of your courses and they're standing next to you and they're saying they're sort of telling you how great they thought it was do you use any particular language to turn that conversation into a request for a testimonial um yeah, probably. I don't. I, I don't know. I might, I might send them an email. I might say, "Would okay. it be okay if I sent you a note and, and you you um gave me a testimonial?" 
Mm-hmm. I think referrals is a skill in itself. I, won't, I probably won't go into it too much on this on this conversation, maybe yeah. somewhere else down the track, but one of the best ways to get more referrals is mm. to initially be referred in. So yeah. if you meet someone through referral, that's great. But I think a mistake a lot of people make, they forget to mention that most of their work comes through referral. So mm. if and you, I must just listen, say that. I'm sorry, Steve, you're quite right to pull me up on that. I, it's, the question was about referrals, not about testimonials. So. Yeah, but I think, I'm mm. sure you're the same, Robert. You probably end up mentioning, whether it's coaching clients or if you're speaking, that you, know, you do get most of your work through referral. So if you sort mm. of mention that, people... It plants a seed a little bit, um, mm. and, and I think that can be useful. And, uh, you know, I'm always um, subtly asking existing clients and, and people who are happy with the service I've provided if they, if they know of anybody else, and it tends to open up doors, definitely. Yeah. Most, most of my work is coming through referrals. Yeah, and I think uh, it's, it is a, it's a, and I'm sorry to Rachel that um, I, I misread your question. But, um, yeah, it is very, can be very tricky asking for referrals. The thing that I find is that whenever I've had success with it, it's when I've done it in a very casual, unsort of rehearsed kind of way. And often it's, um, if I've worked with somebody who I really enjoy working with, what I find a very easy conversation to have is, uh, is to say, I've really enjoyed working with you. If you know anybody like you in a similar situation, please put them in my direction. Because yeah. by doing that, you're kind of complimenting that person as well as requesting a referral. But also that what I find with with referrals is if you're very specific, then um, often what people do when they ask for a referral, again, it can be something that's done in a rather clumsy, clunky kind of way and leaves somebody feeling a little bit like they need to go home and have a hot shower, you know, which is not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not, a, not a good sentiment. Yeah, but yeah, if, you're able to, if you're able to be very specific and say, look, if you happen to know anybody who would like a low-cost website or a cost-efficient website that uh, has a strong emphasis on graphics and that uses all the um, latest um, c- kind of knowledge that we have in how to attract leads from it, then then please consider pointing in my direction. If yeah, you're very yeah. specific, then it feels if you're just saying, "Hey, if you know anybody that that, that needs a coach, just just you know send them my way," it sounds desperate and it feels the, clumsy. Sorry, Rob. I think the thing with referral, and uh, I think I, I won't talk too much about it, but. If you see a great movie, you, you generally tell people about it. If you have a really good meal or you, or you have a good experience at a hotel, you'll tell people about it. Mm. So if your small business is good, you don't have to push that hard for referrals. I mean, I wouldn't overdo it. I would just keep providing, you know, we all know it, provide the customer with more than they thought they were going to get. Mm. Now historically i found in australia i've been traveling around the country for years doing this work the service industry in australia on the whole is hopeless you know people provide you with an experience that very rarely is that good it's almost like oh god customer i've got to make an effort and as you know when you go to the us or you go up to asia they generally make an effort to to serve you and look after you so if you're providing any service in australia all you've got to do is be a bit better than the majority of service providers mm. and you really will stand, stand out, out and you'll get referrals. And, and you think about the cafes you revisit or, or the, you know, whether it's your physio or your hairdresser, the places you tend to go back to generally just make a bit more of an effort in that service area. And that, to me, is what generates the referrals. It's the quality of the, the work and the experience that the yep. customer has. Okay, well, look, Steve, thank you. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind this up in a second, but I, I really appreciate the time you spent with us. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. 
If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.